0: Hey, this is Bob in the Don't Die Podcast. Got 100 people a day dying of drug overdoses, and it's got to stop. Allo Treatment Centers wants it to stop. We want people to get educated about drugs, about treatment. We want you to learn, laugh, and live, but first and foremost, don't die. There you go, Michael. Hey, the, man. The big, the big push to get help. No, Now my mic's so hot wasn't hot before. Yeah, it sounds good, doesn't it? (laughs) It's popping in my ears. Let me back it away. So, you know, a lot's happened. We haven't done a podcast in a while. A lot's happened. Um, Two people I know died last week. Two lifelong junkies. Lifelong junkies. And that, I, I never thought that I would live in a day where you would hear people that have been shooting heroin for 35 years would die from it. It's just rarely happens, and what it is, it's this this high potency drugs and the lifelong, you know, tear on, wear and tear on a body. But Blake, that kid Blake died last week. You hear about uh, that? You yeah, see that yeah. on our times. Oh, I mean, I've known him for twenty years. This is ridiculous. That guy knows everything I and know. Do you think it's the that they're Cutting the heroin with yeah, the fentanyl, with fentanyl right? or making the heroin so strong that people can't handle it, or something—it's very strange. But this is the thing that I've been thinking about over the weekend because one of my favorite people, Lisa, her name was, died over, uh, on Saturday, and and it's just the last person on earth I thought would die. She's like a cockroach. She's like a female version of me. Then I started th- thinking over the weekend, like. Dude, if you and I went back to using drugs, we would die. After yeah. all that we had been through—shooting drugs in seventy-six bath stations with toilet water and ODing and going to jail—and all the the kind of stuff that we in the Twelve Step World love to romanticize—that doesn't equal what's going on on the streets today. Right, because the potency is so—you know—you knew how much it was only do. shit, so you had to do a lot. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Mexican tar. Yeah, when I would go down to Long Beach with you, I'd be like, this is shit. You got to get back (laughs) to Hollywood. Then you get to Hollywood to Frenchies and be like, this is shit. But at least we weren't dying. Right, right, right. You know what I mean? I I don't know. It's just so confusing to me that so many uh, people that are really, really experienced drug users are dying. And... um, And it's just sad. I I don't know what to think. I think there's such a disillusionment in our society. Like, nobody knows what's going on anymore, too. There's this, like, strange belief in media. Like, I'm not a Trump fake media guy. I'm just saying... Media tells you like there was all these complaints about all the coverage of the storm, right? With the with the reporters out in the storm getting blown over, like there was all this social media outrage of why do they do that? They do that because you fucking watch, right. you and, idiots. And also that's why they fucking do it. And also they've always been doing that. <laughs> they've always been doing that. There just hasn't been outrage on the internet. Anderson Cooper's it. been doing it since he got into media. I, I can remember Channel Five back in you know 20 years ago. They would would focus on a puddle, and, and, and it's just news. If it, and well, news, sensitive. I went to journalism school. If it bleeds, it leads. Right. So, oh, the, so the fact was, but there was only the 6 o'clock news or the 5 o'clock local news. So if it, somebody was bleeding or there was a storm you could stand out in or a fire you could stand next to, they would show it. the The thing that's different now is instead of one half hour, hour a day, where everybody tunes in and it bleeds, it leads. It's 24 hours a day. And for you're seeing and the days. whole the whole picture. Whereas before, the local news would focus on little, on a fire. You know, the internet opens it up to oh, they're just standing next to a little flame. Yeah, yeah. You know, oh yeah, you get you're all the behind the, the scenes. Yeah. yeah, but but. I think there's somehow there's, there's a correlation between, between this mass information, media, nothingness and people's belief in, in that life is cool and life is fun and life is worth living. And all I, I just think there's a direct correlation in America's state of mind and America's drug addiction. And uh, the best example is, do you really think Republicans don't believe in climate change? They fucking do. I have hundreds of Republican friends. They all believe in climate change. You know why they say they don't? Because they they represent, and if you look at Trump's election base, it's all based in coal and oil and natural gas. It's a direct correlation to what states Trump won as to what states are dependent on fossil fuel energy. So of course they're gonna follow the money, people, and they don't want to put money in the pockets of the liberals who are making money off of the climate change by you know writing books and making movies and stuff. Well, like I know. That, they don't that, want that's to a minimal part. You're talking about trillions of dollars off fossil fuels in Louisiana, Florida, Montana, yeah, like coal in West Virginia and Tennessee and Kentucky. That's where that's where all the Republican votes are, because it's all directly correlated to money. Right. It's not some these some Americans are stupid and bad the way that liberals try to portray it. It's just follow the money. It's right. technology. The West and East Coast are entertainment di- di- dictated, banking industry dictated, and technology industry dictated. The middle of, and this particularly the south of the country are fossil fuel energy dictated. It's that simple. Yeah. It's not about people are dumb or bad or we don't like them. And so this. I just started seeing this whole picture of we're, we're all just believing these machines that tell us we hate each other or we're different. Rather than if it's about money, everybody understands that. If, sure. if if Republicans in the South and Trump wants to deny climate change because the Koch brothers or, or Koch brothers or, or coal industry people, or the coal plants in Pennsylvania and Ohio, d- d- want to keep their money-making machine going, that's what it is. It's not that some do. Americans are dumb. And as long as liberals continue to call... Trumpers or rust belters or people that don't agree with them dumb and ignorant We're gonna have more and more of this and This disillusionment and this non belief in our society is a great society Our society is a great society, but they do believe that the earth is going to correct itself That's the weird thing like okay if they don't if they don't believe in climate change you, you the, get caught up in the details They, they, they believe that the world is going to correct itself You don't itself know what they believe You don't know what they believe Their money, yeah. their, don't, their donors Are the fossil fuel industry So they're not going to tell you what they believe They're just going to put a, put a smokescreen up And say it's not real But as long as things like Irma and, and Wally Or whatever the fuck the other hurricane's name was What was the other one? Uh, Irma, has, they picked some good ones The Houston one, what was, Jose's coming. (laughs) What was the first one in Houston? It was like Wilbur or something. Wilbur and Jose was coming, but the wall stopped him. (laughs) So we're okay now. (laughs) I still got pneumonia. Anyways, I started thinking, we need, we need people to just talk amongst ourselves. Like, listen, this, the way things are, I believe plays into the mindset of addicts and nobody cares whether they live or die. I, I truly believe that. I think media is brainwashing, especially young people, to believe there is no hope, there's no jobs, there's no future, and and it's not true. Nothing has changed. Nothing changed since before Obama. Nothing, nothing has changed. But yet, the mindset of America has changed so much. Yeah. You know you, what I mean do you think they go as far as to not donate to suicide prevention causes because <laughs> <laughs> they just figure well it's just those Millennials that are probably yeah killing themselves I think around. I think Millennials are going to be marginalized and written off here pretty soon if yeah. they don't get it together right it's it's a sad thing but you know leading cause of death is opiate overdose death and and yet no action about it, really. A lot of talk about it. A lot it. of talk. Yeah. A lot of talk, but not. Well, oh, they care. Action. Here's an interesting thing. If you're, if you're ice, if you're using like most millennials who are going in and out of treatment, right? If you're using by yourself, how do you shoot yourself up with naloxone after you die? No, you don't. And Well, that's the big media push campaign. Chris Christie and all this government, like, oh, we just need to get naloxone in the hands of yeah. the addicts. And hopefully two people will, sh- <laughs> will be shooting up together. <laughs> you, know? you see. That way we get two in one. <laughs> no, it's about it. It's a spiritual malady. Whatever. I don't believe in, in hocus pocus, but I do believe that we have a, whatever that is, whatever we, the sense of I is, we have we have. A real problem in America, especially in young people, and what their internal yeah. world is. So, so in, unless we like get a bigger macro approach to things, which is stop believing all this hate and stop believing all this stupidity, myself included, and just start saying what has changed since I was a kid. The only thing that's changed is twenty-four hour media and social media. That's really, the technology is the only change in my lifetime. Yeah, Think about it, Mike. In information our, information yeah. is the only real change. The phones, yeah. the technology, technology and information is the only real change in our lifetime. We, our, our cars are still fueled by fossil right, fuels. And the minute you start getting the information and all it's everything addictive. you need, everything, it was great. And then all of a sudden, it's infiltrated by fake stuff. You know what I mean? It's ruined by, it's almost like it's contaminated. Uh, I think it's know. addictive. I watch Sydney. I have a one-year-old. I watch her she, she just looks at phones and Chrissy and I are beside ourselves and you know How can a one-year-old always want to be on a phone? Well, it's because we always are right Children mimic what they see Exactly. So they see her and Chrissy and I sitting here on our phones checking whatever's so important Let's see what's come up in the last three minutes since we started the podcast. Oh my god I got a I got an email from a rolling stone magazine <laughs> <laughs> i got an email from julia i got an email from target i got an email from oh man more are coming in yeah now it, because must, I, it, it must, must be what we're supposed to do because oh, I, I, because I have to make my Dad. Legoland payment i see uh, that yeah, yeah that's um okay. yummy.com is still sending me these fucking emails i bought my mom that yummy dot food to be delivered to her house when she was sick and she's dead now but they still send me I can't <laughs> I can't believe you look at emails. I mean, I don't even look at emails, you know. I mean Dude, I, I did, got like seven thousand of did, them. And yeah. then finally I just delete the account. I just go, oh, I am never gonna read all how this. do you stop it? I got all just since I turned, you know, I clicked on my thing. I got um I got Rolling Stone and eBay and Target and MLB major league baseball. Here's it here's the thing. Let's talk about depressing. So the Dodgers were on schedule to be the greatest regular season team in the history cover of baseball of Sports in, a, Illustrated. in 150 years, yes. the greatest team of baseball. Since that cover, they have lost every game oh, but one. My God, it's a jinx! It's the no, it's the biggest meltdown in Major League Baseball history. So I have lucky because I have a good job and whatever. So I have a partial season ticket thing. Like I, you can't go. There's 81 games if you buy a full season. So we bought half of a season 40 games right just for me and elvis to go to the games sure so and it's in the left field bleachers it's not fancy you know what i mean it's like i think it was like 1600 bucks for two tickets for 40 games or something okay so and elvis loves the dodgers so so they started sending me these emails like way before the articles and how hot the dodgers were about buying playoff tickets and world series tickets right they yeah. saying, so then I try. I'm technically kind of challenged. I won't say retarded because that's politically incorrect. I'm ch- technically challenged. Okay. So I clicked on my account at MLB, and I tried to order my our seats, which were only like twenty dollars each or something, for all playoff games and all World Series. And I thought it had gone through, and I put my credit card in, and then it didn't. And I was panicked because I was past the time. Now those now our seats will be given. To Sell to the public right okay, so I was pissed. I called the Dodgers. I called I emailed MLB baseball I know this is a long story But I mean it was a panic because they're the greatest team in baseball and I'm entitled to buy all playoff and World Series games tickets Sure, I want them right the fucking credit card or something something fucked up, and I didn't get them Lucky for me, but I was in a frantic for like two weeks and still they started losing and losing and losing and so now all MLB, of a sudden they're available. <laughs> <laughs> they're yeah, MLB and the Dodger guy keeps calling me. Do I want him? Like, don't no, I lose you, man. No, because what I don't want to do is put out like six hundred bucks for tickets that there are not going to be any games oh to. God. And how do you get that money back from Major League Baseball or the Dodgers? Fuck it. But I've never <sighs> seen anything like it, and I know some of my friends are crushed. Double B is crushed. It's you know, yeah, and I know. Like the Poohbahs, you know. Is he crushed? Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. So the funniest thing is I hate the angels because I used to love them when they were the California Angels, right? California Angels. Then they changed to Anaheim Angels. I didn't like that that much. I like California Angels. I grew up with California Angels. But once they changed their name to Los Angeles Angels, when they have nothing to do with Los Angeles, they just want to sell L.A. Propaganda, you know, propaganda uh, uh, Merchandise. That's sure. the only reason they changed it to LA. I refuse to go to an Angel game. I refuse to be involved with them. Weirdly okay. enough, I think they're going to get in the playoffs and do well, oh. and the Dodgers are going to fucking get swept in the first round. Oh, if they—I mean, they'll—they're going to make the playoffs even if Arizona catches them, because they might just melt completely down, and Arizona might win the division. But, but the Dodgers won so many games. They won ninety games. They were ninety and like thirty-three. Right. And now they're like ninety and (laughs) fifty. So all this, like I know a lot of my friends are affected by this, but emotionally affected. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so the question will be, ethically, is if the Angels do get in the World Series and the Dodgers flounder and flop like they always do. Will I change my rules <laughs> about, about attending an Angels game? Oh. I believe I will. I believe I will. Really? Yeah. Because okay. the last time they were in, the Angels were in the World Series, I was broke. I didn't have any job or anything. 2004, yeah. did they? 2004 or something? I would think you would just stick with the Dodgers. Did they break your heart every yeah, year. But I wasn't even know. believing this hype. You know what I mean? Everybody goes, the greatest team in baseball. Oh, I, was like, I saw well, him on the cover of the Sports Illustrated <laughs> as the next, great, you know, the best team ever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Best like, team oh, ever. No. The, don't say that. The don't, best don't, team just, ever just lost 15 out of 16 games. And you know games. everybody in the locker room was going, oh, I wish I hadn't come out like that. You know? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a psychological game. Well, I told Double B, who's one of our oldest friends, and he just lives and dies by the Dodgers, and he was really depressed, and he posted a bunch of stuff. For, I... Said, well, maybe this melting down before the playoffs because every year for the last seven years, get it out of the way. Yeah, get it out of the way before the playoffs because usually they melt down in the playoffs. And you know why is it that grown people, adults, care so much about a bunch of millionaires that represent their city? That's a strange phenomenon. Twenty-something years, but I'm, I'm you know, I'm a freak about it. You know, I got the Dodgers tattoo. You know, I know you do. It's crazy. So. Do you think, Mike, just as the wise armchair philosopher you are, you are that it is this technology and this knowledge and this information that's making everybody feel so hopeless and helpless and lost? I, I, believe, I believe that alcoholics, when I was growing up in the 70s, 80s, 90s, that we felt hopeless, helpless, and lost on a certain level, and then we also felt cool and better than everybody else and all that. I, those... That cool and better than everybody else and I will make something of my life. That's what's lacking. It, it is. It, you know, And here's my, my take on it is everybody knows everything about what is going on and more. You know? Too much. So too much. It's like uh, it's an overdose. It's an overdose of information. I think sometimes if you lessen down, then you're going to be mentally happy. I, I watch old movies in front of my kids. I try and stay off of the phone. And my youngest daughter likes black and white movies. Yeah. The other two are kind of like oblivious to it. But my youngest daughter is like, Dad, let's watch that old movie. Yeah, Elijah li- was, Elijah was like that because at that time, there wasn't such technology. But I you was right. on Facebook. I was told that I did not exist if I was not on social media. Basically, you go into these business meetings, and unless you have a million Twitter followers... You know, nobody wants to invest in your rehab or invest in your but don't TV you have people show. handling that? Though? Yeah, I'm trying to yeah, I, I you just got to get this you just off need people of my handling that, right? I mean, I I really here's an interesting thing. So you stiff need to be Bob. Fingers, you need to be Bob You know, you mean, remember Luis Garcia the guy I grew up sure. with, sure right? Luis loves stiff little fingers. I hated them I hated them in high school. I hated them. I thought they were overrated I I never was a fan of Stiff Little Fingers. It's astonishing to me that 45 years later, they're still going. So I started looking on Facebook. Somebody had Stiff Little Fingers tickets, and I was like, oh, my God, are they still playing? Oh, my God. And this is, I don't mean to be mean about Stiff Little Fingers. You know, it's like Sham 69. It's like all those fringe 70s bands. Like, here's the bands of the 70s. Television, Blondie, The Ramones, Black Flag. You know what I mean? Those are the bands. Sure. Not the, and, and if you want to go to English, the Clash, the Sex Pistols, Public Image. There's, those are the bands. Just because you were a part of a genre, never before in history has, uh, just because you were a part of a time and place genre, you can play music for 40 years. Do you understand what I'm saying? Sham 69, Jimmy Piercy, Little Fingers, um, these certain bands at X-ray specs, they can just play forever because they were a part of that scene for that you know. And and the London punk rock scene lasted about fourteen months. You know what I mean? Sure. And so so as long as you are a part of that, you can always play. Yeah. But if you're, but but if you look at the glam era, Steve Hockney can't. Well, you know, Cockney Reject can't play or. You know what I mean? The the fringe bands of T Rex and Bowie can't keep touring for forty years. Slade, right. you know what I mean? Sweet. Nobody's going to see Sweet. Well, the punkers are, are like do it yourselfers, though. You know, they just, they they there's are, something about have always been. They've always been. Let's put out our own records. You know, the bands that they idolize, like the Crash, had their own little compound. They put out their own records. Every you know, they, it really is like a grassroots sort of. Um, organization you know but it but but the fact that the audience still goes like a thousand people will still go see still full fingers it and they shocks me w- yeah and then they will be at their merch booth later on <laughs> selling their own merch i mean they just do it all, you know it's like that's the way that's the way to do it i mean to tell you the truth that's what i think i think this whole like vip you know, greet and meet VIP ticket. Yeah, you pay 1, some extra stuff. that's all just because these guys go back to you know their regular lives after their tour, and they're carpenters. The guy in the angelic up, uh, the angelic upstarts is is I've met him a few times. He's a he repairs boilers back in England. Yeah. Boiler repair. No, I get it. I'm not. I'm. I'm not so much about the bands. If the bands can draw people and play, I'm just more about the scene of punk rock and the nostalgia based around punk rock that wasn't even that good. Do you understand? Yeah. I was well, never truly a punk rocker. Neither were it you. It just goes. You at, were not a punk rocker. No, I was. I. What are you talking about? You I, were, you know, like in like in '80, like in '78. You weren't slam I dancing had, at the Fleetwood. I've got a broken collarbone from that. You do? Yes. I saw the germs at the Fleetwood, dude. Uh, my first girlfriend was Kathy. Kathy. That was her whole name. Kathy. Kathy. She had blue two, hair. Two Kathy. She was like, yeah. We were friends with, uh, you know, best friends with Darby Crash, and that's why I liked her. <laughs> right? Oh really? The Starwood, the early days. Yeah. I mean, I, and you were sailing around with the boots and the flannel yeah, tied the, around your waist. You know thing? what? There was. Did you look like the Circle logo guy? No, no, no. Not like that. <laughs> is there was the first wave with Pleasant Game and and you know yeah, and, yeah. All, uh, and and Gaza X and you know and uh, and Tomato Duplani and Yeah yeah KK and thing and then there came this kind of like second wave Gun, Clu- Gun Club Dream Syndicate I think maybe I was part Dream of that Dream second Syndicate. wave thing you know Funeral that I was in Funeral yeah and we played like the Whiskey and we, you know did we did we play tried the Dream to try Dream Syndicate games. with the Carl Picote <laughs> and the and the girl playing bass they were one of my favorite bands. Yeah, I thought they, they, were, they were like, like a better. second wave. Yeah, probably. Yeah. So the first wave is X, Germ. Maybe I was thinking of Lions and Ghosts or something. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was fifth wave. <laughs> Lions and Ghosts is fifth wave. Yeah, that could. Have been. I was around yeah. the Lions and Ghosts world. So, anyways, I just it's it's fascinating to me that that you know I'm 56. I like like what will I go see? I, I'll go see not much really. I'll go, you know. What bands would I go see? I'd go see, like, Paul Weller I would go see. Yeah. I went and saw Public Image when they played at Henry Fonda. Yeah. And, but did I buy merch? Was I, the whole time at the the Public Image, I mean, his band sounds really good, the new Public Image band that he's had, like, for 10 years. Yeah. It's not like Levine and them, but it sounds really good, and the songs are good. I just kept looking at him going, that's Johnny Rotten. That's amazing. Uh-huh. So that what is was your... What was your... Amazing that that guy is Johnny Rotten. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He's got yeah. a big... He wears a big muumuu. <laughs> I know. I <laughs> know. He does not give a fuck. I know. It is See, funny. there's a difference between when he didn't give a fuck and he looked cool. Right. And then he doesn't give a fuck and he looks like my mom and yeah, my dear. When, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, when he was young and slim, he just looked angry. Now he just looks ridiculous. He looks like my mom. <laughs> so you sort of have to laugh a little bit. He looks like my mom, even had, if he still is angry. In a big eye magnet moo. So hard. your first punk rock show? My first punk rock show was uh, at the Mask. Which was Oh yeah, I never went to the mask. Which was actually it was the re it was the reunion or something of the mask and Rick L. Rick played and I went with Rick L. Rick and Kathy. Uh Kathy Kathy. <laughs> and uh <laughs> dirty floor, no shoes, you know. I just got back yeah, from we the were, meat house. That. I think then right after that the mask closed and it seemed like everybody was just sort of like, where do we go? You know. I but went where, to, where was your My yours? first punk rock show was the the Fleetwood with the Plugs and the Go-Go's and like two other bands at the Fleetwood and Redondo Beach. Is that what yeah, it was? Yeah, sure. Plugs and the Go-Go's. Yeah. But then, and then right after that was the public image show at the Olympic Auditorium. That was scary as fuck. That was scary because I still had long hair. That was scary. Yeah. And see, that's why a lot of uh, people started like the first wave that I was talking about started like separating themselves from this kind of skinhead movement that came in. I just knew I can't have long hair big, anymore. Yeah. <laughs> big guys. They were beating the shit out of anybody that had lo- sh- long hair. Yeah. Yeah. That was becoming punk rock. Yeah. But, anyways, like that, to me, was just like, that was a fun experience. I never was tied to it or identified with it. You know what I mean? So, if I go see something that I like, like Public Image or or Paul Weller or I, I don't know what like one time I went and saw 999 oh, like yeah. you know many years we used later. We do Homicide. Yeah the, and they opened with Homicide and then they came back and played it as an encore. Oh my god like That's like, awesome. Like Don Ho with Tiny Bubbles. <laughs> That's what he did when he, At least they know where the, what people came to yeah, want right. to hear. Right. Elvis Costello is not like that. Right. And it's yeah. like yeah. It's uh, it's the uh, I call it the uh, Elmore James syndrome, right? Like once he hit that song, uh, "That's that, My Broom. "That's My Yeah," every song had that riff in it. After that was a hit, yeah. So, but different words, yeah. Just keep keep chucking, yeah. But any, anyway, open I and just, close the show with that. I think so. So one of the things that fits my whole palette of what's wrong with America okay. is nostalgia. Like, all music is not supposed to be nostalgia. It's supposed to be of New. your life and now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, if you're going to listen to Stiff Little Fingers and going to see Stiff Little Fingers at House of Blues in Anaheim. Yeah. And that's your point of reference. Nothing is feeding your brain and soul like Stiff Little Fingers did when you were 20. Yeah. Do you understand? You have to transition like into like you know i'm always just interested in new things kamasi washington and all of his side projects and bass players albums i just love it it's like you're we're living in the time of the second coming of coltrane and miles davis and his right. name is kamasi washington and he lives in our town nice why are those people from your neck of the woods long beach huntington beach Costa mesa why are they not feeding their soul with music of now do you understand what i'm saying i do there's a certain thing that nostalgia is not necessarily healthy i'm personally not very nostalgic about it (laughs) i'm not I mean, it's, you, the, you but know, you, it's your job to see these bands every week you know what though i was just going to bring that up i do uh, one of my i have you know a few jobs i work for you and, and i work uh, at the theater down in the performing arts center and then one of my favorite jobs of all time is is alex i work I know, alex well. I, and it's because i get to see <laughs> these young bands that nobody will ever hear of that are actually amazing oh, like the, yeah the stoner bands that you like and no all that. N- well the one mario is in Punk bands, yeah, the one Mario's in, the Earthless, and, and that, but there's also all these young punk bands from Long Beach, crack. and also coming in from like, last night there was a band that played, and I don't remember their name, but they were, <laughs> they were, they sounded just like the new riders of the Purple Sage. And they and were what young. Were they called? They were all young. I don't know. I forgot. They're a new band? They played with the Low Street Jackets. From Portland. Okay. They were kind the of Lumineers? the Lumineers. Lumineers? But there's like these bands down in, in that come in that are kind of Long Beach local, right? Like Nico Bones and stuff. It's this three piece like boyfriend girlfriend and stuff. They're amazing. They're amazing. See, that's inspiring because the they're writing the songs now and they're alive now and they're creative now, right? Yeah, and I just I feel like. You know, like how we saw bands and we saw them come and go, and they were so amazing. Not everybody. It's a different from a era. Scene. It's a different era now. But I'm just talking about being around creative energy. So another point of this argument is okay. So Merle Haggard died last year. I was talking to some girl the other day, and she said it was so sad that he died. I said, like, oh, "Dude, he was like 80 years old and he had cancer. Like, and he wrote the greatest songs of all time. What do you want from him? Just to keep going, doing uh, what, what? I mean, everybody done. dies. It, it, like." And then Walter Brecker, Brecker died from Steely Dan. Everyone's beside themselves and playing Steely Dan and posting Steely Dan. It's like, uh, I love Steely Dan re- a lot. Me, yeah. me and Pete went and saw Steely Dan. I went and saw him at Coachella. They're going to die. They're like 80 years old, 70 years old. I'm going to die. You're going to die. Like, why do people not want people to die? It's another weird thing. Right, like, and it's It's done. <laughs> Done. Like they already made all their greatest Steely Dan records, and it's sad for his family. It's sad for his grandkids. or daughter, daughter, wrote him actually an amazing letter about Walter Becker. But um, but it's like yeah, everybody's gonna die. All the Rolling Stones are gonna die. Paul McCartney's gonna die. All, we're gonna die. All, you know, all the Ramones already did die. You know what I mean? Everybody like you, creative, and then you play music, and then you die. Like, why are everybody so... It's so sad that Merle Haggard died. I was like, no, it's actually not. No. No, it's really not. Had a great life. It's sad for his kids. But, you know, I got to be around him a little bit towards the end. And his son got to play music with him for like Mm -hmm. 10 years. Newsflash. When you get old, you die. (laughs) Like, you you know, the last thing that he did with Willie, the roll me up and smoke me or whatever. That was... Clever, but if it was anybody else but Willie and and Merle, no one would listen to that song. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not like...
1: I it's think like it's sad when city. young people
0: die. When people yeah, die before a, their time, it's unacceptable. It's unacceptable. But, but yeah, when they're old and they've had a great career, uh, you know, rejoice. But, yeah, I rejoice in Steely Dan. I listen to Steely Dan. You know, the Robin of days. Cro- Robin Crosby had the greatest line I've ever heard. He said, to, "Speaking he told, of dead, yeah, speaking <laughs> of dead and dying early." He's, but he he told me he said, "Don't don't be sad for me. You know, I've lived the life of ten men." I know he used to. We got a lot of Robin Crosby stories. He was a gentle giant. He was great. He was... He loaned us his guitars to make stormy weather. I remember that. Yeah. And he used to come over to my house. And one time we were, because I met him through you, And he's sitting in, he's being a freak in that little den area. And people at home, it's because we were all drug addicts back in those days. And Robin (laughs) was too. Except he wasn't as fortunate as us. But he, you know, he's giant. He was like six foot six or something, right? Sure. And he was in that little den area on that couch that I had in the upstairs (laughs) fountain thing. And he basically takes up couldn't get through the, the whole door. room yeah. right so i'm just sitting at the dining room table kind of talking with him and he's just going at it shooting speedballs and sitting in the room right and yeah. then i had the basketball game on and he looked and he goes he just looked up from his intense drug doing for like an hour and he goes what did they say the name of that place is and i said it's detroit it's assault palace and he goes what day is it and i was like it's wednesday and he goes I think I'm playing there tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. I go, and, well, so you what? and I was like, cause I beyond, I've had enough drugs, you know, cause he would buy them and do at my house to get away from his wife or whatever. Right. Sure. And so I said, maybe you should go home, Robin and check in and get to Detroit. However, you get to, I used it as a vehicle to get him gone. Yes. Right. Cause he would be at my house for like two days. Yeah, he is a man. He was a consumed so much. Such a gentle guy. Even, here's an interesting thing even completely cocaine psychosis, a gentle, never scared of him. No. Just, you know, I've been scared of you from time to time. (laughs) Uh, Alcohol plays a (laughs) lot. When you, (laughs) when you, pneumonia is hard to get rid of. Yeah. When you and Steve-O from Vandals drank Everclear and had guns at Pleasant's house and were shooting guns in the house. Do you remember this event? I remember shooting guns in different houses, (laughs) but not exactly where. (laughs) That was at Pleasant's house, this Yeah, I Steve-O thought, liked I, guns a lot. I thought I mean, not, me and Steve-O went shooting a lot out just out on the Los Angeles Highway. We'd take guns and pile them on top of the car. And I couldn't believe that you could just pull off to the side of the road up the Los Angeles Highway and start shooting refrigerators and rocks and trees. I don't think that. he can. I think just no cops came by. Oh, maybe that was it. <laughs> but i remember you we were breaking the law and i was and trying I to be tough know. and not scared of you guys and there was a bunch of people there it was a bunch like uh people there oh, and man. they all started scramming i think even smog was there and he was like i'm getting out of here and i was like they're not gonna fucking do anything yeah. and then you did and yeah. i was like holy shit they have yeah. lost their minds yeah well <laughs> we did that in long beach once too and- how'd you meet steve Steve-O was, um, you know, he's part of the Long Beach people. I just, you know, I, I can't Was remember. he always the singer of Vandals? Or, cause yeah, I, uh, when I met him, he was the singer of the Vandals. What's the story of the Vandals? I never really understood. So the Vandals that have existed for 20 years are really none of the original members of the Vandals. Joe Escalani. Joe is the original drummer? Yes. When Steve Fowder and Steve-O were the singers? The singer yes. and bass player? He was the drummer. Was Steve Houston in it, too? No it was uh jam or steve olson was steve olson in it There was a bunch of steves no. down there no it was, it was steve-o steve-o was the singer yeah. he wrote the lyrics to want to be a cowboy and all that yes so basically a two two guys that wrote the songs like fowder and 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 steve-o yeah that made the Vandals famous forever. Songs? I'm not sure about the whole, you know, the legal and there's a whole bunch of different bunch of different stories and like and this. But here's my opinion: on Who wrote it, right? those songs? Steve-O wrote. Want the to songs, be a cowboy? Yeah, and they're all you know they're all collaborative. They all sit in a room. They all spout out stuff. You know that's who is the it, guitar player? Jan. And was he in it for a long time? Yeah, he's still in it. No, it's only Joe. And Joe now plays bass. And he's a great Joe bass player. Joe was a drummer. I Joe Escalani switched. Yeah. He's switched. a great guy. But he's, here's, what, his ha- here's brother, what happened. Is here's it his brother Greg that just Greg Escalani, yeah. yeah. Just passed away. Juxtaposed. Uh, From what? I, I, I didn't, they didn't really say, but, you know, he. it was early. I mean, he wasn't that old. Yeah, 40s, right? Maybe no, 60s. He's 60? Yeah, I think. Okay, so 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 they made that first EP. It wasn't even an album. It had, like... Eight songs, seven songs? The first Vandals record? Yeah, okay. That's was a huge yeah. hit. Well, it was a punk rock hit. And here you go. You know, it was a punk rock hit. It was on Rodney on the Rock. We went and gave the demo tape that, we, that I did, made for them, that we made in, in Huntington Beach in a bedroom. At a, of Want to uh, Be a Cowboy? Yeah, of all this stuff. And we took it to Rodney on the Rock. And he played it, and they loved it. A lot of people, and I know, uh, human is um, you know part of it. Steve and Fowder, his name is, right? yeah, in Long Beach. Yeah, he was a graphic artist, great graphic artist. So, so, but he was the. Base so they player. had, they all got into this legal thing, you know, and that's what early it came out on to it was early. early? Yeah, well, no, it was after after everything broke up. Joe wanted to continue, and so he continued. Did they make a second record with Steve O Yeah, they did. They made two albums. Was Steve O singing? Yes. Was the second album have a hit song on it? Um, yeah, a bunch of punk rock hits. Yeah. Want to be a cowboy is an everywhere hit, it's not just a punk rock hit. The only reason I'm telling you this that the only reason it is so known worldwide is because Joe Escalani carried on with this. Oh, thing. maybe that's true. Okay, so you have got somebody who's taken all the arrows. I don't really like to talk about it. No, but I'm Let's trans let's transfer it over to Theloney's sponsor I won't I won't do it without Pete. And I know right. Pete doesn't like me or is mad at me or whatever. So Theloney's Monster has been on will be on hold forever. No matter what you want to do, or Dallas Don wants to do, or Chris wants to do. Sure. As long as Pete's not in it, it's not a band It doesn't play. Well, he's a very signature sound. That's called having ethics. Yeah. Thelonious Monster has Pete Weiss drumming. Right. You don't just switch out people in bands. Now I can form another band, the Bicycle Thief, or you and me can play as Bob and Mike. Well, that's you. You yeah, know what A I lot mean? of people do that whole thing where they carry on. You know, they just, just carry on with. I, man, what do you think you know, of that? I don't really know. I don't. You know. I mean, I never. I, you. I would never do Tex and the Horseheads without Tex. You know. It's weird because I try to compare it to other businesses, like. If, I don't think Tex should Pete, do Tex and the Horseheads without the horseheads. You know. Yeah. So I'm of your. No, opinion. I don't. I don't think you should call it Texan the horseheads. I should. I think you should be able to play as the horseheads. Well, we do that sometimes, but but you uh, never we, call it Texan the no, horseheads, do you? No, the horseheads. Just the horseheads. Yeah. So, but I but just I think agree it, with you with the Thelonious monsters. I think Pete is a very signature sound. You but know, it seems like w- when you switch out a drummer, it's almost the most important part. But it's really the people, though. John Huck. Who, who was another instrumental starter of the band, yeah. right? and I would say KK, they said, you guys carry on, we're quitting. Right. Right? So, that, so that, that's an agreement. That's cool. But if somebody doesn't feel that way, it should not carry on, regardless of what the law is. Do you I understand I what I'm saying? I see exactly what you're saying. Right? right. Yeah, you're right. Because the, the song we played the other day, KK wrote it. KK wrote Try. You know what I mean? I remember when he came up with it. He didn't even get credit for writing it, I don't think. Right. But he's the one that. Think about how KK can barely play guitar. It's D, A, C. Three chords. (laughs) It's an awesome song. It's like a song I would write. And then it goes the same three chords. Yeah, holding on them. Holding a little longer on each note, on each chord. It's a drummer writing a guitar song. Awesome. (laughs) So, And I was thinking of that because you wanted to do Hurt the other day. Kevin Fitzgerald and I wrote Hurt. Once again, a drummer writing a guitar riff. Right. KK, a drummer, wrote that Tri song. Those are two songs still to this day, 20 and 35 years later, People want to hear me sing. How crazy is that? That drummers wrote. Wow. They don't want to hear the songs guitar players. No. (laughs) Because they just put too much. (laughs) They're too complicated. Yeah. Right. Like I. Somebody said. I try to follow the three chord rule, man. So, well, in my mind, just you know, because people ask me a lot of times, like, oh, I love that song. (laughs) And one song that comes up a lot is. I live in a nice house, right? And it's Xander claims to have written it. But when you listen to it, it's only got three chords. I wrote I wrote it. Yes. You can tell I did. But then he fancified like See now, there's a good subject, and I'm glad we're on the. But basically, the chords are to A okay, to C to G. So here's this is this is a great point too. Is that, uh, is that if you wrote that song, if Bob Dylan wrote "Blowing in the Wind," and then and then somebody else fancies it up and writes, you know, and they, Bob Dylan still wrote the song. <laughs> I know. So I had so text would come to me with songs like that and we you know we'd add what we added and then it would still be her song. It's not that's I don't understand that. Yeah, so people are people are weird but I just have a weird thing about bands and and I wonder you know why I want to inspire my peers that are in their 50s and whatever like yeah it's fun to go see I'll go like I said every time Paul Weller plays I'll be there. And he's right. sucked a lot of times. Dude, he can be boring as shit. I saw him at the Palladium one time. I th- I thought he thinks he's Eric Clapton. Oh my god! <laughs> like, what the fuck? This is the dude. Play Butterfly Collector. Yeah. <laughs> I want some nostalgia. <laughs> you know what I mean? <clears throat> I'll go see Public Image till the day I die. Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan. I'll see. So, you. what do you uh, on the subject of Bob Dylan? What you know? I was watching this morning. This interview where Bob Dylan was talking about how he went down to the crossroads and he sold yes, his soul. Yes, I saw that. You see that? What do you think of that? I mean, he specifically he's says being very specific that he, he sold his soul. That's the deal. I did. Yeah, he tells that two to, different times on two, twenty twenty. Yeah, and, uh, to, to the to the unseen. Yeah, he definitely has sold uh, his soul. You that, think? You think really? Well, or do you think he's perpetuating, you know, like he always does? I think does. he just likes that he's, old mythology and whatever. But I think so, so too. I think, I, think I, da- I, w- I think there's a little bit of a liar. I think yeah, there's a little bit of a liar in Bob Dylan. I went down there, and I sold my soul. And look at it, I'm a drug counselor. Yeah. So this doesn't even work out. Like, you're supposed to be Robert Johnson or Bob Dylan. I sold my or Jimmy soul Payton. in a bar in <laughs> Raleigh, North Carolina, to a guy that wore a band aid on his nose. Oh, that was his punk rock one? He changes it, but he's always got the band aid on his nose. his name related to that band aid? And he used Joe? to, he used to take notes. He used to take you know, notes from people. Okay, I'll buy you a picture of beer from bands that came through if you sell your soul to me. For this pitcher of beer, so he would write out this thing. Yeah, he would say, "I sold my soul to blah 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 for a pitcher of beer." (laughs) Blah blah. blah, Sign it, and you would give him the note, and then he would buy you a pitcher of beer. Oh my God! Me and Smog both did it. That's cheap. Yeah. No, I would have to get worldwide famous. That's basically all we got from Satan too. Was it? Was yeah? But I'm I'm telling you. Just because Robert Johnson and Bob Dylan and Jimmy Page supposedly sold their soul and became Led Zeppelin, Bob Dylan, and Robert Johnson, there are thousands of people that have sold their soul that work as refrigerator repairmen. Yeah, sure. So I don't know about that mythology, but I, I mean, didn't. See I think it. it's just how hard you work. It's well, or, or there's something about Bob Dylan. He's got schizophrenia or something. He's he's touched by the gods. Think about it. Think about the volume of songs he's written. No one else can touch him. You know what I mean? Robert Hilburn the other day put something on Facebook like, who do you think will end up having made more records, Neil Young or Bob Dylan? And I was like, it doesn't matter. Bob Dylan is Bob Dylan. Right. Even uh, Neil Young pales by comparison. There's no one that compares to Bob Dylan. Nope. There really isn't. You can take all the Beatles and all of Paul McCartney's solo and all of George Harrison's solo and what little John Lennon's solo and Ringo solo. It still doesn't compare. Right. There are, and, and people that don't get that, you know, they say, I don't get Bob Dylan. I can't get past his voice. I go, just read the fucking words, you idiot. You don't have to listen to it. It's telling you how to live life. I think that, that you either, like with a great artist, you either hate them or you love them. A lot him. of people hate Bob Dylan, right? I've like heard a lot of people like, like I just no, don't get it. Yeah, but there's no middle road. You don't go, yeah, he's okay. You know, you either like completely get it or you don't. You what either other, hate it or you love like, it. I, Same with with with, with There's uh, only a handful of people I ever met that hate the Beatles. The great well, artists are either hated or loved. Yes or no? But I I don't I don't know. But I think most people differentiate different Bowie eras. Like I'm I'm big on the McGronson M- 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 era, of course, those five albums, and I'm big on when he, you know, low. But then, you know, modern love and all that shit, I'm just like, whatever, I'm glad he made a bunch of money. You know what I mean? Kind of like the Stones, too, are that way. You take Stones' eggs on Main Street, and then the Stones have been walking around like a carnival parade for 35 years? Right. That's different. They made That's middle of the road. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're right. Bowie was middle of the road. No, when Bowie did, like, his Klaus (laughs) Gnomi thing on Saturday Night Live where they carried him out... And he, boys boys and he was all Boys boys always going... work it out yeah he was he was beyond yeah he he was more interesting and you either hated it but or i you mean basically it. when you went and saw bowie it was just like going and seeing the rolling stones yeah you know what i mean but every time i've gone and see the stones including a desert trip i'm like at one point or another it has to dawn on me those same people up there made exile on main street Right. It's unfucking believable yeah. that they can evolve into this shit. Yeah, you know what I mean. Dancing around like, put your hands in the air, dude. Smoke some weed and take some heroin and play some uh, yeah. fucking rock and roll. Rent a house in France. You and, know, the dancing, you know, put the hands in with the air. Microphone. You know, because that's what they. Why did? do they, people do that? Why do people uh, put your hands in the air? They want to, to the, the crowd. Like, oh, they want to feel like they're getting their money. I smart. was at a concert the other day and somebody did that oh at the hollywood bowl they were doing that like put your hand this fucking for the muppets no that yeah but that but no but there was a tribute to it was to quincy jones's cool 70s records then this opening act was like put your hands in there i was like are you like a member of of the hollywood bowl something thing too what you get like discount do you get to go to the hollywood bowl i get to go a lot okay it's a weird phenomenon do you want to know something I have never been to the Hollywood Bowl. Oh, you got to come! Never, we'll go. We'll go. I, yeah. I, we were all going to go to the Muppets, and then Sid got sick, so then Elvis and his mom went. Yeah, but uh, no, I lo- but at the Hollywood Bowl, it's all like eighty year old people. That's the only people that can afford to be up front. Sure, you know what I mean. And like, They've you been really, part of some are you looking period. around at who's standing here? You're gonna get them, stand up, and put your hands in there. Yeah. These people might need a ventilator. Oh, right, do that. right. <laughs> bring the oxygen down, and then put your hands in Dude, the air. Put your hands in the air. <laughs> Anybody that tells the audience to put their hands in the air, it should be uh, should be uh, 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 penalized. Right. They should have to pay a fine. Right. Especially. Even rappers do it a lot too. Put your hands in the air. Oh, yeah, like fuck you. Be entertaining. Then you won't have to tell me what to do. You'll just be entertaining me. Yes, okay. you know what I mean. Okay. Yes. You know what I'm saying. I do, uh, you Dude. know. But a lot of people subscribe to hands in the air. I don't know why. Dude, Jimmy Page ain't telling people put your hands in the air. He fucking no. down 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 down. You don't hear Bob Dylan. Put your hands in the air. Put your hands in the air. Put your hands in the air. No, you just, uh, you know, he's... Uh, so we're going to continue this idea that I believe the drug problem is related to the cultural wasteland weird thing that Americans have about what what is going on right now because i'm telling you what's going on is no different than what's been going on forever right and we can sum this up by don't die means also don't kill yourself because like you know don't believe this like that that once if you get depressed you know that suicide is a solution or something people get depressed i get depressed all the time bob gets depressed all the time you know we just deal with it we ride it out ride it out and then and then uh, we we get up and we do our thing I just keep calm and But on. don't my die. Dad, my dad said, he used to pound it into our heads, and I don't know if, if this has anything to do with it, but my dad's theory was, nothing's ever as good as you think it is, and it's never as bad as you think it is. Oh, I like that. That's a fucking good philosophy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Let's end with that. Nothing's ever as good as you think it is, and it's never as bad as you think it is. All right, keep listening. Thank right, you, everybody. Thank you. <laughs>